I'm Jerry Oliveri, and this is the Digital Dialogue Series from the Order of the Golden Rule, a podcast by, for, and about the independent funeral home profession. Our theme this year is, What's Your Edge?, as we focus on how you can develop and leverage the edge you have over your competition. Today's guest is Mike Hepburn of YourSocialStrategy.com, an OGR supply partner and a full-service digital marketing agency with a focus on the funeral industry. Mike's passion is marketing, but he worked for years in his family's funeral home first and knows what funeral homes face as businesses. The opportunity for competition amongst funeral homes and cremation service providers is even higher today than ever before because pretty much I would say 90% of your consumers are going online and searching for low cost, affordable cremation, funeral pricing. Mike will offer his experience from inside and outside the funeral home to help you understand how to leverage affordable or even free marketing opportunities to gain an edge in this tight market. Stay with us. OGR's Digital Dialogue Series is brought to you by The Dodge Company, the world's largest manufacturer and distributor of preparation room supplies and an OGR-endorsed supplier. Learn more at dodgeco.com. That's D-O-D-G-E-C-O.com. Our guest today is Mike Hepburn with Your Social Strategy. Hi, Mike. I'd like to get started with how you got into digital marketing. Hey, Jerry. Thanks for having me uh, on your uh, podcast. Um, first and foremost, uh, I've been in the funeral profession for uh, about 20, 27 years now. Um, it started out as a family funeral home that I worked in, donation desk, cleaning the cars, removals, you name it. Uh, then we got into uh, a little bit of software. We started website designs for funeral homes. Um, and uh, became an OGR Golden Service supplier back then. And uh, we've, I've moved on. I've sold my, my interest in a couple software companies that were focused on funeral industry. And in 2016, I decided that I wanted to do something on my own um, instead of having partners and board of directors and all that. And uh, I, I opened up Your Social Strategy at that time. So it was in 2016. And uh, our focus for the first couple of years was strictly funeral homes and helping um, sort of the, the idea was to help funeral homes with their digital marketing. But I also wanted to be a, uh, a portable solution. Um, I felt like a lot of funeral homes couldn't afford, whether it's the local agencies that are big ticket items or um, a funeral focused company that was what I thought was maybe a bit out of reach for the mom and pop funeral home. So that's kind of where we went. Um, and uh, it's been pretty good so far. So when you were working in the funeral home industry, and it was your mom and pop kind of thing, it was your parents or your siblings. And was it something like, like, like I'm family owned in at like 10, my kids are cleaning bathrooms and stuff, yeah. laminating prayer cards. Is that your type of experience? Exactly. So it was, yeah, it was my brother-in-law and my sister. Um, They rented a room to me. So I lived above the funeral home. Um, So kind of the way I always looked at it was they didn't charge me a lot of money for rent um, and they included food, which was awesome. So I would help them out on every visitation. I would swing the front door. Um, 
uh, you know, all aspects. Uh, I never did clean the bathrooms, thank God, but uh, I certainly had to make sure the coffee machine was turned on and filled up. And um, yeah, but basically, I, the way I looked at it, I became a funeral director assistant. Um, I did all tasks except for embalming. That was the one area that I just couldn't do. And, and you didn't get licensed or you I didn't? didn't. Uh, that skeleton okay. scared the heck out of me. So marketing is something that is more of your passion. You were just in the family thing, but you took your own path. Yeah, it was exactly that. Yep, yep. All right. So give our listeners the basics first and what they may need to understand, such as like, what is SEO, pay-per-click, organ, organic reach, branding, conversion rates, and the importance of it in today's market? Because a lot of those terms just shy funeral directors away. They're like, I don't know that. I don't want to do that. You know? <laughs> I, I totally understand that we provide reports every month to our clients and they don't understand many aspects of it, even though it's what we say in plain English, it's still not uh, quite there uh, for them. And so give you an example. Uh, so SEO means search engine optimization, and that's the process of getting your website better ranked on Google and Bing search engines. Um, it's not just adding keywords to a website. There's a whole array of things that have to be done behind the scenes. Uh, as I say, the I's dotted, T's crossed. Um, on-page stuff, off-page stuff, uh, all that in together is what's SEO. Um, and then you've got your social media marketing, which is Facebook marketing, uh, posting to Facebook, Facebook advertising, which is where you uh, post an ad, um, you pay. So it goes to uh, an audience that you get to pick. Um, is that the pay-per-click? That's not pay-per-click. It's part of the family of pay-per-click. Okay in terms of for us, but uh, yeah, it's definitely something. We'll talk a little bit, I'm sure more about that one later on. Pay-per-click advertising is specifically Google ads. So when somebody types in, you know, funeral homes in my area, there is usually three ads that appear at the top of the search engine. And those ads are paid, not based on impression, but based on click. So it doesn't cost you anything to have your ad appear, but it does cost you something based on um, when somebody clicks the ad. And that cost, there's a whole bunch of factors. One is what, you know, if, if you're in a large metropolitan city, you're gonna pay more for that click than if you're in a rural country town. So there's lots of factors that kind of determine cost for that. Um, but uh, one other factor we also watch for and monitor is when you're trying to rank for a keyword, you want that keyword to appear on your website. And that's something that a lot of people I don't think understand. It's called a quality score. So if you look at, you know, Smith Funeral Home, and that's going to rank well because the name Smith Funeral Home is obviously on the website. But if I'm searching for cremation services and I want my ad to show up, there has to be content of the cremation services on the website. It has to land at a, at a place that is appropriate. Um, and that will drive down the cost for pay-per-click and so forth. So pay-per-click advertising is basically Google ads. Um, and uh, it is very important. It's a very important process, especially when you're starting out with SEO, um, because SEO is something that takes time. It's not an immediate, you know, within the first month, I'm gonna be on the first page 
that's impossible. If you get somebody that tells you, I can guarantee first page ranking, that should send up some yellow flags because uh, mm -hmm. there, there's just no way, it's, it, there, especially- No in a, magic wand. No, there is no magic wand, but there's a lot of processes to go um, and, and be in place. And then you can see the success, but the immediate success is Google ads um, because you're paying Google. So obviously they don't mind putting you at the top of the list. Right. And uh, so this is all important for our funeral directors to know and understand and to know they need an expert <laughs> to help them with all of this. Um, with the way people are shopping today and because of the pandemic and stuff, would you say what you do is even more important in our industry now because of the way the consumers are searching and shopping? Absolutely. Um, and I would say the, the opportunity for competition amongst funeral homes and cremation service providers is even higher today than ever before. Because pretty much I would say 90% of your consumers are going online and searching for low cost, affordable cremation, funeral pricing. Um, we're seeing those keywords very high in the search boxes for our funeral homes. And yet, if you look at, and I love this part, if you look at a funeral home website and say, okay, where do I talk about funeral pricing? I will say nine out of 10 funeral homes don't have anything about it on their website. So that leads into my next question. I, I do have pricing tool on mine um, so they can get almost exact, um, but they need guidance of course, but would you recommend that they do have their pricing on there? I mean, what are they hiding? You get, and they can get the pricing with a phone call anyway. You know what, and that's the competitor sees it, you know? Exactly. That's the change that the funeral director or the funeral home owner has to change is that they can't say anymore that the website is, is forbidden. Uh, you know, we can't show our pricing online because, oh my God, the consumer will have it or my competitor will have it. The reality is that everybody can get it very easily. As you said, a phone call, they show up at the front door, we, we have to supply it. Why not make it an act of convenience? What are I you put it, I put it on because I felt that not only were people looking for it and expecting it, but if they had it, because they're used to getting things immediate, immediate gratification to their answer, that that would be the reason they call me. And they can't find the pricing on somebody else's. They know how much they're spending before the phone call. Therefore, we're going to call you. And if they can tweak it, make it less, make it higher, whatever, but that would help me get the phone call. Absolutely. Now I'm going to add one other uh, component to your putting your general price list online. A lot of funeral homes will put their GPL online in a PDF document. That's great. People can download it and they can print it and keep it. The problem with a PDF is it's not indexable by search engines. So when we talk about SEO, that document does nothing for your SEO. It, it literally has no value. So what I do recommend usually is building out pages within your website containing the information of your GPL. So I just did this, for example, for a funeral home client of mine where <clears throat> we loaded up their GPL because then in Ontario, as of July 1st, it is now mandated. You have to have your GPL on the website. Um, so we built out, we built a page for the GPL, but then we built individual pages for each section. So each service offering, a direct disposition, it has its own page all laid out, all the pricing, 
And that becomes indexable. So if somebody's searching for, you know, direct uh, cremation costs, that page becomes extremely valuable for that funeral home. And when we're talking about competition and trying to make sure we're one step ahead of our competitor, that's just another angle we play. Okay, so mine is a tool. As of, I don't know, maybe January, I think New Jersey is gonna be required to have their GPL up there too. Mm -hmm. But mine's a tool. So you answer questions and it, it knows my pricing and it puts it in. So based on your answers, it tells you what your funeral would cost. Yes. That's something you would recommend? Absolutely. I mean, that's a quote builder. Um, that's what a lot of people are very interested in is building their own costs, building their own funerals. It doesn't, your way is great. And the way that I recommend it is also great. At the end of the day, it's providing that end price. Right. Um, and, and showing people that no, it's not a $10,000 funeral, um, or maybe right. it is a $10,000 funeral because they picked everything that they need to be at that price. But it, it just, to me, if you're showcasing your pricing, you're breaking down the barrier. Uh, the concern that the, uh, the consumer may say, what are you hiding? Why are you not showing me this? Right. All right. Cause we've been accused of that many times. Like why? where are your prices, you know, oh, the funeral director, you don't know till you get in there and then you're already there and it's, you know, $12,000, $15,000. What are you going to do? They already transferred your loved one. They yeah. feel trapped, you yeah. know, try to get away from that, put us in a better light. All right. What could our listeners do to check their online presence to see how much they may need some help with a company like yours? Like, should they Google themselves? Should they check their online reviews, Yelp. There's so many others I don't even know about. There, there's over 200 sites, to be honest with you. They? <laughs> yeah. But there are, there are three major ones. So <clears throat> number one, yes, Googling yourself would be great. However, if you're Googling yourself from your home office or from your funeral home, and you're doing it in a regular window, you will become number one every single time because Google knows your location and it knows the location of your business and it's going to put the closest in proximity to you at the number one position. So that's so not a trick. They don't know. And they think they're number one already. Exactly. So what I do recommend is put yourself into incognito mode in Google Chrome or Firefox. Put yourself in an invisible mode and then do your search and see where you rank from there. And it's not just about searching for Smith Funeral Home, because Smith Funeral Home, you should be number one. It, you know, that's your name of your business in your town. But do a search for things like low-cost cremation, cremation services, funeral pricing, uh, caskets, cremation urns. That's one area that I see funeral homes, in my opinion, fail all the time, is cremation urns. It's an, a, a commodity that somebody online is looking for and yet most funeral homes don't show cremation urns on their website. Um, jewelry. Or jewelry, exactly. Um, right, they can get it anywhere. It's, there's a million sites you can get it, so you want to be one of them. You well. want to be the choice. You're going to be the first choice, to be honest. They're going to go to you first and look to see if it's there, and nine out of ten times they're going to find nope, so we'll go somewhere else. Right, um, so it's a lost we'll, sale and they don't even know it. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, in today's world of funeral service, we're always looking to see where can we, you know, compensate our lost revenue. Well, here is one area. It's not a very difficult area to do. And 
the consumer, even the elderly are extremely savvy on the internet now for looking for things, getting things delivered because they can't go out. So it starts with food shopping and then they see how easy it is. And then they're on to the next thing. It's, you know, uh, the home shopping network and then not every, and before you know it, they're everything. So underestimating the 80 and 90 year old shopping habits is a, is a problem too, I think for funeral directors. Yeah, I would agree. It's, it's definitely, this pandemic has certainly escalated those uh, shopping trends. Um, more people are online. Uh, we always thought the number was huge before, but it's much higher now. And, and people are comfortable. This is where they want to review their decision-making is at home in the luxury of their home with no pressure, nobody over their shoulder. You know, <clears throat> I, I, again, I think become, coming from the funeral business, you know, I, uh, we always thought people needed to touch a casket. They wanted to feel the inside. I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, you know, and... Over the years, we've seen funeral homes who put up virtual showrooms up on, you know, up on a big screen TV. And I think that's where things are, except now it's at home. I want to see it at home from my luxury of my home and no pressure. Right. And even the casket companies have been sending us their virtual showroom links to add onto the website or to email to families. And they even customize it to the markup that you're requesting, whether it be one point something or two point something. They're like, so, and it goes to, they said, once they have this, it'll stop them from straying. Yeah. Elder, you know, so hopefully they're on the right trend for us also. Yes. So Mike, your company does not exclusively work with the funeral profession. So I'm a little curious. Were you anxious at all the first time you went out of the funeral home industry on your own and did you have any concerns about how you'd be perceived working with funeral homes already well it's interesting i first my one of my staff members which is my operations manager she's the one that convinced me to go more to a local approach uh in 2019 um <clears throat> because funeral homes it's my passion, obviously. It's what I know best. Um, and the connection I, connections I've made is, is tremendous. Um, it was hard for me to leave that idea uh, behind to say, okay, we're going to go more local. And the hard part that I have is every client we work with is different. Um, it's a different set of objectives. It's a different set of goals. There's so many tactics that are, are different. Whereas I love working with the funeral industry because it's consistent. Uh, it might be a slightly different change, a little bit in strategy, but at the end of the day, we're all looking for the same thing, and that's to bring a family through the front door. So yeah, it's, it's been definitely a challenge. So I would say you're right about having like, you know what the funeral homes are looking for, but funeral homes as a whole are slow to fully embrace social media and digital marketing overall. So you're speaking to an audience of funeral directors. Again, do you wanna make a, a little bit of why this is so important? They need to reach out to a company like yours? Yeah, well, the biggest thing is, again, a lot of funeral homes will say, I have a strategy with Facebook, I'm posting, but they're probably not posting consistent content. They're probably not posting content that's going to get engagement. Um, and that's where a company like myself can come in and help 
with a focus, um, a strategy, a consistent, you know, we're going to post five times a week and this is what we're going to post about. Um, because at the end of the day, it's not just about posting. It's, it's about what you're posting. And, and um, <clears throat> you want to give us an example of what they should start posting. Like, so they understand more detail. Sure. So I, there's kind of three groups of content I look at. One is general funeral information content. You know, what is cremation? You know, link. the biggest thing is, if you can, link back to a blog on your website. So if, if, instead of linking to somebody else's blog or somebody else's information where you're giving them the juice of that, you know, flow, make sure it's coming back to your website. So even though you're posting, you know, what is cremation, have an article on your website about what is cremation. And it doesn't have to be lengthy. It should be 300 words minimum, 3% keyword density. So three times or 3% of the time, the keyword should be presented in the document. And, and you're going to get true value out of that. So they're not leaving, you know, to go somewhere else. They're coming to your website, which means they can do something else while they're there. Maybe they're going to look at your, you know, price list. Um, so you, you just never know what to do. land there so that if they have extra time, they might click around. Right. And that gets into Google analytics where you want to see how many people visit each, like when they visit your site, how many pages do they visit each time? And, you know, <clears throat> again, back to why should you hire an SEO company? That's why they're going to provide you a, a report that you can easily look at that information. So you're not going into Google analytics and going, Oh my God, what am I going to do here? No, get somebody to provide you a simple report so you can read what, you know, and you don't need to read it every month, maybe every three months. You just want to look at it and say, mm -hmm. you know, how often are people on my website? How long do they stay? And away we go. Now, so that's one kind of content is your general content. I really highly recommend personalized content. I don't know a funeral director that is not involved in service groups and organizations within the community. You all are doing that why not take a picture or post a, that you're doing an activity tonight? You know, we're, we've got a Lions Club function this evening, or we've got a rotary auction happening this Saturday. It, that content is, it's 20 times as uh, uh, engaging as any other content. People love, I, I talked to one funeral director, which you all might know, George Dart, Dart Funeral Home in St. Catharines, Ontario, former president of OGR. And he was like, I don't think anybody would care. And I'm like, but you might not care, but other people do care. They all care. They want to know what your involvement is in your community. And that's one thing that I can say is, I don't think funeral directors or funeral homeowners tell their story well enough. They don't share about them. Right. I think we've been told not to for so long. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. But then they feel this connection to you. Well, and you know what I think is the key is look at who your target audience is. It is women over the age of 45. Correct. Men, we don't care so much. We just care about the sports scores and the golf game and the beer. The women? Yeah. Oh, it's all about that connection. Uh, and it's an emotional connection. Exactly. And that's mm -hmm. one thing that I think is very, that can be achieved through social media. Uh, because again, a lot of people, there's over two point some billion people a day on Facebook. 
they're scrolling through their feed in the morning, usually at yes. night. And why not have a post of yours pop up? Because I look at Facebook a little bit as getting information and connection, but it's really, to me, Facebook is about branding. It's your brand. Um, you know, we used to use the yellow pages. We used TV ads. All those things are gone by the wayside. Now it's social media. Why are we not seeing Facebook funeral homes uh, posting on a regular basis so that the algorithm picks it up and, you know, you can end up being in people's feeds. Um, so what would you say is the most common mistake uh, funeral homes make on their website or social media strategy that they should definitely stay away from? Well, one of the areas that I see, and it's, I, I find it kind of funny, but they come out of the gate full force. Seven days a week, they're posting. And within two weeks, it's now down to three times a week. And then after three weeks, it's down to one, if any at all. <laughs> so <laughs> they lose the steam. And the algorithm for Facebook is all about consistency, engagement. Um, they want to see consistent posts happening from your business in order for you to be in people's feeds. Because to be in someone's feed, that's pretty important, um, not only for you, but for the end user as well. They want to see valuable content. Um, and it's an honor. I, I look at it as if you can be in somebody's feed, that's a pretty good honor uh, for them to be able to see what you have to say. So a lot of times I see funeral homes are doing like the gallery of obituaries, list of services, map locations. So what would be the one thing that would give us an edge over our competition besides consistently posting? Um, well, that's a great question. Um, I think it's a combination of many things. It's interesting you brought up about posting obituaries. I do find that a lot of funeral homes don't do that. Um, I believe they also have been told over the years not to post, but I think it also depends on their call volume. Um, if you're a 300 call volume funeral home, that's a lot of posts and mm -hmm. people might get a little sick of seeing it. Right. Whereas 120 call volume, you can get away with it because it's, you know, 10, 10 posts a month and that's not a problem. Um, but would you need family permission? I don't think so because it, 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 while it is a, a public forum, if they are posting an obit on the website, which is the key, because that's what you're sharing technically is the obit from the thing. So if they're on your website, then I think they've already complied with and given you permission to post. Okay. Um, and one thing that I, I, I see this a lot because obviously I, I track stats uh, for funeral home websites. Um, the biggest referral of website traffic is Facebook. And the number of funeral homes that don't do any Facebook activity whatsoever. And when I share with them that Facebook is your biggest contributor, their first question is how? And I say it's families. They're sharing that obituary to their Facebook page and then people are sharing and sharing and sharing. And my question is, why did that not start with the funeral? Right. Right. So that, that led right into my next question. So the social media that's really important is Facebook, number one. What about Instagram, Twitter? What would you say they should also be cross-posting? Well, it's that's an interesting one as well. So what you have to do is you look at your target audience. So one thing that I see is 
it's women over the age of 45 to 65, 70. That's Facebook. That's who your target audience there is definitely Facebook. So your base has to be Facebook. But we also want to now look at women over 30, for the age group of 30 to 40. And I think Instagram is, a, is also now becoming a necessity, not necessarily because you're going to get immediate business, but you're planting the seed of your logo, your business name. Mm. And I think that's important. Twitter, not so much. Uh, Twitter seems to have gone by the wayside a little. Yeah. I mean, part of the problem is funeral directors, they, they're afraid. We get into these different um, social media things and then we're like, oh, my Twitter, up, oh, that's gone. What's the next thing I'm supposed to be on? Because yeah. that's four square. There was, uh, now it's Snapchat. I'm like, what? My kids come in. I go, I don't have Snapchat. What's it? What is it? <laughs> Well, thankfully, we don't have to market to all of them because the new one is TikTok now. Um, oh, TikTok, which is dancing or something. Well, yeah, it's 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 quite extreme. Um, I I just got my first account, uh, an art company. We're doing we're doing TikTok marketing for them. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't see you know utilizing any of those. Uh, it it really is Facebook is number one, and then Instagram is number two. Um, okay. What I recommend, <laughs> yeah, and what I recommend is you can actually post the same content on both platforms. And because I think both, now they're owned by Facebook, right? They are actually. I was just going to say they're owned by both. And both it are says, owned by do Facebook. you want to cross? Do you want to? And you just say yes, and everything goes right over. Exactly. It's so easy now. So yeah, I. That's why I say it's you know number one Facebook, number two Instagram. Just know that Instagram, you're not necessarily looking for the immediate. That, you know, unfortunately, if they have a tragedy, that could be the target family, but really you're planting the seed for the long term. Planting the seed. So what is the average cost a funeral home should expect to pay to see results? Uh, from a social media point of view? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's, you can, there's base packages out there. Most people have a set price. Um, you probably are looking anywhere between 500 and 2,500 a month. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I ask, so a couple things to consider when you're looking at a social company is how many posts per week, how active do you want them to be? So what I mean by that is, do you want them monitoring your comments and your notifications? So for example, we have a funeral where uh, we send a comment notification to the owner and say, you just had a notification on your Facebook. So he doesn't have to sit on Facebook all day. That's our job, <laughs> but we don't respond for him, but he at least gets notified that somebody's there. Somebody's asked a question because one of the things about Facebook is they do have a time to response badge and you don't want it being these people respond within a day. That's way too long. You want it within an hour. Um, that's an objective. And uh, so that's one thing we do. Uh, the other alternative you can do is you can ask the social company, will they respond for you as well? So we can, you know, they can do canned response. Uh, so if somebody asks a question, like we, one, you know, client does uh, on, online broadcasting of funerals. Well, they have a ton of questions on the day of the funeral. When is, when is it starting? When is it starting? When is it starting? So instead of them taking the time and responding to each person, we respond for them and say, you know, it, it starts at 11 o'clock and this is where the link will be, I think. So 
So that to me would be the advantage of picking someone like yourself who works within the industry or only for the industry or knows the industry well enough to be able to answer some of those questions. Because you get things, not just when is it starting, but like, you know, how do I get more thank yous? How do I, when you're like, whoa, somebody monitoring this, you know? people how many do you want they're 25 out you know silly stuff that anyone can answer if the information is in front of them and they understand the question because right exactly right you're right um that's that is an advantage when you're looking for a social company is one that has a background in the market of what you're in so i think that's a, a huge advantage because death certificates is always a big one too all right we're going to take a quick break and when we return mike from your social strategy is going to tell us how to handle bad reviews some cases are painful some test every ounce of skill and experience and patience but honestly could you imagine doing anything else in this world the family owned and operated dodge company has been helping you make all the difference to your families since 1893. dodge cosmetics are the most widely used in the field and have been made by hand since the very beginning. We are proud to be an OGR endorsed supplier offering freight discounts to all OGR members. Learn more at shop.dodgeco.com. That's shop.dodgeco.com. Thanks for listening to What's Your Edge. I'm your host, Jerry Oliveri, and we're here with Mike from Your Social Strategy. So Mike, what do we do and how do we handle bad reviews? Well, everyone's worst nightmare uh, is knowing that they're online, they're accessible to anybody, and a bad review comes in uh, about their business. So one thing you have to realize is in order to, for somebody to leave a review on Google, Facebook, uh, the Better Business Bureau, Yelp, they all have to be registered users. They can't just be an anon- anonymous person. They actually have to be a user registered. Uh, in all cases, they cannot... Uh, you cannot remove the bad review. So there's no, oh, I'll just call up Yelp and they'll remove it. It does not happen. Um, So what I usually recommend is take ownership of the review and write a response in in addressing the situation. You might be asking them for to contact you. Uh, You know, maybe there's some misunderstanding and you want to get some clarity. Um, but the key is you want to, number one is address it. Don't let it fester and don't leave it alone. And that same point goes with good reviews as well. Um, pretty much everybody gets good reviews on their, their Google reviews, but nobody ever responds. And that's one thing that we really highly recommend is respond to all reviews. Even if it's a great review, thank them for their time, because that's going to encourage other people to leave a review. So back to the bad reviews, I always say address the situation, um, write a response, not today, uh, because you're too emotional. Uh, you know, write a response in Microsoft Word or Google uh, Docs, then have somebody read it over and try and identify that if you're resolving the issue. Because um, ultimately what you can do, and I just had a funeral tell me that they did this, where they got a one-star review and after responding to them and then talking to the family, they increased the review from one to three stars, which may not seem like a lot, but to me, 
that's huge because Google reviews, for example, does an average rating. So if you got, you know, two reviews, one is a five and one is a one, then you have a two and a half average rating. Uh, if you can move that up to a three, then you're back up to a four. Um, and the other thing that I do suggest with reviews, uh, if you do get a negative review, is to try to bury it with positive reviews. So you can, uh, again, hire companies to do this, where they will send out an email uh, to an email list that you provide, and it'll basically ask the people to leave you a, a positive review. And we usually recommend things like Facebook, Google, or Yelp. Um, as the review places, but uh, we usually designate it if, if there was a negative review on Google, then we target Google as where that review is going to happen. Um, but yes, address it, but write it, write a response when you're not emotionally charged, um, and then address the issue at hand uh, as best. And think of it like I think of it as if I'm in person with the, the person, but you don't want it to fester it. You don't want it to snowball into a bigger. Uh, you know, issue and going back and forth, that's not going to help anything. Well, I agree with the key issue about um, calming down and thinking about it because, you know, in the past, the same thing has happened where it's not even just a review, but you get this phone call and, the, and they say, hey, so-and-so wants to talk to you. I, I don't get on the phone right away. I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to sound angry at her, but she's crazy or something. You know? Right. Exactly. Um, what do you do with unfounded review? I mean, some, like I had a fam, not me personally, I have a friend who owns a funeral home, two with the same name in different states, they left a review on the wrong funeral home. So uh, I even service this family. What do you, how do you get that off? Well, again, what you can do is I, I would respond right away with the story of this is intended for a funeral home in another state. This was not serviced at our funeral home. Uh, so you're addressing so that if anybody reads it in the public's eye, that they're saying, okay, I understand it was an error in error. Um, but then I would reach out to the person, basically asking them to remove the review or to change the review to the appropriate funeral home. Right. Um, but it, it, that's going to be rare, but that's actually going to happen. So the key is your response. And I would be truthful and just state that it's, you know, something that we didn't deal with. This was intended for Smith Funeral Home in Maryland, not Smith Funeral Home in New York. And uh, that's the best you can do, really. Okay. So what if it's someone that you serviced, but it's like um, the one in-law that you really didn't have any dealings with and you don't know? Because it's really hard sometimes to figure out you can figure out which family. You can't figure out which person. Not everyone has a name in their email. They're like, oh, that's so-and-so. It's like some encrypted name. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's it, that happens a lot uh, where you, you service a family, but then the daughter-in-law has a point to make and she goes and it's online. it's not usually with the funeral home. They're just angry and they're reaching out because they're mad at a decision that was made between maybe the funeral director and someone in the family and they didn't have a say whether they should or shouldn't yeah i would honestly just reply with exactly that to state that the, a decision was made with the next of kin um you know and, and we complied with you know the next of kin's wishes again what you're 
you're re, you're writing this in two, for two purposes. You're writing it to respond to the individual, but really you're respi you're responding to write to the person who reads it from that is another for a, a prospective family. Um, so that's what you got to keep in mind. I'm, I'm trying to address an issue, but I'm also writing it in a way that if somebody reads it that is a prospective family, they would look at it from a point of view of saying, wow, okay, I see how this could happen or I, it's a great response, you know, um, and, and then you're not losing face with those people as well. So since you might be already um, in one of the packages doing uh, notification watching and all of that, would you, do you have also somewhere in your, one of your packages to write the responses to the good and bad reviews? Yeah, we do it on a one up. Some people don't like to write. You know what? And I'm, I'm my, myself, I'm one of them. I usually like somebody to write for me and then I'll, I'll edit it and, you know, come up with my own message from there. So yes, we do actually have writers um, that can write a response. Um, we've done that for a few funeral homes um, that have had negative reviews. Um, <clears throat> what we do is we don't post it because we want it posted by the owner or the manager of the business. Got it. So we send the review back to Mr. Smith and say, here you go. This is what we're recommending. It's written as if it's you. Read it over if you're comfortable. Here's what we, you know, here's the steps in getting it posted. Um, okay. But yeah, it works well. So that's going to bring me back into a little bit of pricing again. So OGR members are independently owned and operated. So many are also on the smaller side with just one, maybe two locations, such as your families. That means we often don't have large budgets. What are some of the things funeral homes can do that are either inexpensive or outright free that can still make a big impact? Well, I think, so one of the biggest pieces, signals, I guess would be the key word is reviews. And that doesn't need to cost you anything. Just compile it at a simple little email that you're, you know, thanking, thanking them for their business. I wouldn't do it immediately after we buried mom. I would wait probably a month. Um, and I would do a spreadsheet and put the emails in there and then another column for the first send. So you send the first email, which is asking them to leave you a review. <clears throat> if you're on Google reviews, you can actually copy and paste the link into the email. So you just have to click the link and off it goes. Or if you, you can do the same thing with Facebook reviews as well. So maybe giving them two options to where to leave reviews. But I also really think it's important to do a follow-up email. So something within a couple of weeks after you've sent the first one, if you've noticed they haven't left you a review, just ask them, you know, I understand everybody gets busy, but a review would be so important to our business and we would appreciate it. And then redo the links. No more emails after that because then you become annoying. <laughs> But I think two responses I see works perfectly. So that's something that every funeral home can do at no additional cost. It's just a matter of putting, you know, getting your emails of your families put together and then uh, sending the first one and the second one. So this is something I do, and you can tell me, don't do that. <laughs> um, in my email, you know, where you have the signature thing, 
Yes. I have our logo, our information, and then right to the left and the bottom, big click here to leave us a review. So when we're constantly communicating about anything, more death certificates, obituaries, website, from it's just always there at need, pre need, anything. And it's just kind of subtly there. And I leave it there. I don't know if I get reviews from it or not, but I do have reviews. Is that something that's okay? It is okay. I don't know if you're going to generate a lot of reviews from it because I, I just find that, and I have the same thing, by the way, I have a click here to schedule a schedule an appointment with me. I've never had anybody schedule an appointment with me from my signature, but it's there. Um, yeah, I just think people don't necessarily read your email signatures thoroughly because they it contains information they probably already know about you. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's important. I think it's easy to add. Um, and it gives at least the option. You have the option for somebody. It's to one more it. way. It's one not more. the only way. It's just uh, um, many different things. You know, if you get one, it, it, you, you put it in the signature a long time ago. It's still there. Exactly. Now, what did exactly. it take me? A minute to do? Right. Exactly. As, if you, as you said, if you get one in two years, that's one more than you would have ever gotten. Right. Take any time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, Mike's going to tell us some things on a personal side, and we'll let you know later. The Dodge Company was started as a family-owned business in 1893, operating out of the family's home with a lab in the laundry room, manufacturing in the basement, and finished products stored under the porch. In the nearly 130 years since, Dodge has grown into the world's largest manufacturer and distributor of prep room supplies but we remain a family business. No matter the size of your funeral home, find out how Dodge can meet your needs at shop.dodgeco.com. That's shop.dodgeco.com. All right, thanks for listening to What's Your Edge. I'm your host, Jerry Oliveri, and we're here with Mike from Your Social Strategy. So on a personal note, I see you're ecstatic that your daughter, Emma, has started working with you recently. She has. It, that took two years of negotiations. And <laughs> hey, negotiations. <laughs> it, she was more worried that I was going to ask her to get me my coffee. Um, <laughs> and not real social marketing. To to exactly. How old is she? She is 19. How old? Uh, yeah, she just finished high school in uh, last year in, in June. Um, and then she's going to college in September for uh, veterinarian assistance. But I wanted to introduce her to the business so that she had something to fall back on in case that assistant wasn't exactly her cup of tea. Um, I wanted her to have a taste of what we do um, to know that, you know what, it's here for her as an option and that uh, she loves it. Uh, so she might change her major. She may change, and which I said to her, if you do, it's business. Um, you know, learn some accounting, learning some HR, you know, all those aspects. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she, I mean, she realizes I'm not over her shoulder. Um, she's on her own. She has two projects she has to do for the summer. And uh, yeah, it's, it's unsupervised, which is what I want. That's how I want her to be treated. And uh, it worked well. So I, I did go on your website and I see you do have a large staff. They all work social distance like, because this- 
They all work from home, which was a hardship for me at last year when we made that decision in March. Um, I didn't want to do it at all. Uh, I felt like I, I needed everybody under my, <clears throat> we worked out of my house. Um, <clears throat> so we all had rooms and uh, we all worked uh, together and I felt I needed to keep that. But after a month or two of the social distancing and everybody working from home, they all showed me that they work probably even better. Um, and it gives them the luxury and the freedom of, you know, if they need to go to the doctor's office or, you know, whatever the case, it's, it's just not, uh, you know, we're not, uh, micromanaging them, I guess, uh, it works well. So funeral directors, as we said before, are slow to catch up with everybody. Um, they still like that face-to-face. -face. So do you visit clients from time to time just to, whether it be seminars, conventions, or, hey, I happen to be in the area, you're one of my clients, can I stop in? It's an interesting one. Um, <clears throat> I used to, in my old software days, uh, attend every convention there was under the sun, all state conventions, the nationals, OGRs, annual, um, but... In the last five years, I've only attended two nationals. Um, I find that at the nationals, even, even, even at the OGR level and so forth, there's such a short amount of time of being together that there's a lot to achieve. And it's not just about learning. I appreciate you guys have you know, CEU credits you need to get here attending the sessions, but there's also the social aspect. And I really respect that at funeral directors because they have such a tough job that when they're out, it's finally time to release uh, some energy. And, right. you know, <clears throat> there's, a, you know, I always felt that, you know, after hours is probably the best time to network uh, with them. Um, I, a lot of my clients are spread out across Canada in the U.S., so they're not local to me. In fact, my two local funeral homes are not clients of mine. I know them very well. Uh, they are clients of my previous companies, but, uh, um, you know, so I, I don't really see too many, but we do a lot of Zoom meetings, uh, you know, so I'm always, touch, I'm always in, in touch point with them um, at some way or another. So, you know, whether it's an email or um, that's kind of one of the things that I, I think gives me an edge is, is my relationship building with clients um with you know being in the industry in the past being able to understand the lingo and the discussions and the challenges and definitely is one of the you know it's a, it's an interesting profession that's for sure well on a lighter note i want to know about zoe because she vacuums i can't get my cat to vacuum i know zoe's not a cat so tell us about zoe well, she's a, she's a mixed uh, dog. Um, she loves to wait until you drop some food. So I never have to worry about vacuuming. Uh, she, it's funny because she, when, when we worked together, Shelby, my operations manager, would eat Cheerios in the morning and Zoe would be sitting right beside her because Shelby had a tendency to drop just out of, product she would drop some and it's always be right there to pick them up so yeah she's a great dog she answers the door she, she does she lets us know before anybody shows up that somebody's at the front door waiting to come in um i have uh, a cat she's a calico her name's serena and we train her to be a grief cat mm. so she you know 
And it's really easy because like cats like to stare out windows. So I have a door with a full window. So <laughs> the cat greeted everybody. I go, yep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. I mean, it's just in nature for her to sit at the door, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so Zoe so, makes sure she uh, she introduces herself, and then uh, the key with her is you have to ignore her when you get in the house. Otherwise, if you give her attention, she gets too excited, and and then she's a little much. But uh, you just you just ignore her for two minutes, and then she's fine. And then you I think pets are valuable uh, to everyone. I, I love pets. Oh yeah, for sure. So, Mike. We end every podcast this season by asking the same question, what's your edge? Whether that's something unique from your personal life, a special set of skills you've developed in your professional life, what's the thing that gives you an edge to better serve those you work with? I would say my edge is definitely my business side, my business insights. I, I always seem to have a a good understanding of what people's challenges are. Um, it doesn't mean that I necessarily can do the job. That's why I have staff. So, um, you know, I can then digress with them and talk to them about it. Um, I think from the funeral profession, my background is definitely my edge. Um, you know, understanding all the challenges we face. Um, and again, it's not necessarily meaning that I know all the answers, but I have a lot of the connections that I've made. 27 years in this profession and the amount of connections I've made with, with funeral homes, to suppliers, it's been phenomenal. Um, and so sometimes a, a funeral home will call me and say, I have this challenge, what, what do I do? And I'll be like, no problem, I know the guy. I can get this person involved and you know get you two connected and then things get looked after from there. So I think it's from a, for the purpose of this podcast, I would say my edge is definitely my experience in the profession um, and being relied on by a lot of funeral homes to give them answers to their challenges that they face. Um, it's definitely been a, one of the big pieces. Well, this is great. It's been great talking to you. That's our podcast for today. And again, thank you for listening to What's Your Edge. I'm Jerry Oliveri, your host, saying have a great day. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Digital Dialogue Series. You can find this and every episode in the OGR Learning Library at ogr.org library. That's ogr.org library.